Welcome to We'll Ride for Wine, a podcast about wine, writing, and song, but mostly wine and writing, with your hosts, Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls. Thank, Thank you, Wanda. Wanda. Welcome to We'll Write for Wine. This is Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Samantha Graves. We're here to talk to you about wine and writing. Yay, we're back after taking a week off. Yay. Today's episode is all about writers and their issues. Issues. What issues? I got no issues. No, baby, we've all got issues. <laughs> if we didn't have issues, we'd go into teaching or nursing or something sane. <laughs> this is true. Right. And we'll get to that later in the program, but first we have wine. So, Lonnie, what are you drinking tonight? Well, because we made it into the Podcast Alley Top 10 for a nanosecond this month, <laughs> I'm drinking booze in a box all month long. That's right. Don't ever question my dedication to the Whiffers. This week, I'm drinking a 2006 Corbett Canyon Pinot Grigio in a box. Mm. And I'm very heartened by the fact that it, A, has a year, and oh, B, good. has no expiration date. Oh, so, awesome. Go Both me. good signs, yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, it also comes in a bottle, but I bought the box because I'm just that kind of girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> $8.99 for three liters, uh, which is not quite the screaming deal that the Franzia was, but dear God in heaven, I'm hoping it's better wine. <laughs> <laughs> it has 12.5% alcohol, and it comes from California. Cool. So the wine notes from uh, Corbett Canyon are, our Pinot Grigio has delicate notes of fresh pear, melon, and figs. Mm. So enjoy its dry, crisp flavors with lightly sauced pastas, chicken Caesar salad, or with appetizers. Interesting. And uh, I got to say, it's pretty yummy. I like it. I actually think uh, the Franzia, I have to say... For those of you out there, I, it will be going down the sink because I just can't. <laughs> I tried. It might I tried clean out your pipes. My, <laughs> I could. It could. Franzia in place of Drano. Like, you know how they have all those things that you can do with Coke? <laughs> like, yeah. you, you know, it'll clean, like, your car engine uh-huh. and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should do some tests <laughs> with the Franzia. <laughs> My septic system's been acting up. I'll just flush there it you go. see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a plumber? Put some Franzia in there. Anyway. Um, I uh, Okay, where am I? Oh, okay, my notes. <laughs> it's going to be a hell of a night, folks. You have it no is. idea what you're getting into. Light, dry, flavorful without being overpowering. I really like it. The oh, good. Candy. So uh, I'm giving it a Will Write for Wine rating of four glasses. Excellent, excellent. Very good. All right, good. so what are you drinking tonight? Well, tonight I'm drinking a 2004 Piping Shrike Ooh. Shiraz mm-hmm. from K. Samiki and Son, uh-huh. winemakers in Australia. Okay. Yeah, and apparently a Piping Shrike is an Australian magpie. Okay, and a magpie is a bird, right? Yeah, it's like this... <laughs> Isn't it like close to a crow? I, I don't know. I, I don't want to offend any magpie fans out there, but I think it's something. Well, what's sort the matter with like crows? Now you're offending the crow people. <sighs> okay. <laughs> no way you can win. Just keep moving. There's no way to win. Somebody's going to no send in a letter and be like, you know, know, crows are a beautiful bird. 
That's true. Okay. Right. And I'm sure um, they are. <laughs> so the bottle says the piping shrike's cheerful song is a musical yodel mm-hmm. running gleefully up and down the scale and is, like this full-bodied rich Australian Shiraz, always full of warmth and charm. Oh, they're really working hard for they that are. one, are they? They really are. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry, but if I had a bird yodeling <laughs> in my yard... I mean, I know this sounds terrible, and, and I don't you have admit, a gun, but I would shoot it. When was the last time you heard a crow yodel? You, just, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. Obviously, <laughs> the piping shrike is superior to a crow. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but yeah. And that's it for the Y notes. And since oh, they don't good. have a freaking website, I, I mean, is it that hard to put up a website? Get a MySpace at least. I, I mean, it's free. You know? Seriously, Jeez. it's creepy, but it's free. Oh, did I just? <laughs> 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 it's creepy. I take it except back. for our site, which except is except for creepy. our site and all the people <laughs> who are friends with us. We have like a thousand That's friends great. on MySpace. <laughs> MySpace is creepy. <laughs> it is just a well, little bit. Well, it can be. You have to be careful. It, you just it, have it to be careful. Be. Yes, be. yes, right. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I did find notes finally. Oh yay! Uh huh. A lush flamboyant berry basket of a wine with no tannins or rough edges dangerously easy to drink Ooh, does that sound cool I okay like that. i like it uh-huh. too from international wine cellar uh-huh. so my notes are that it's strong <laughs> it's really strong <laughs> it is 16 dollars a bottle which uh-huh. is at the top kind of like you know pretty pretty right. up there for me right. and a whopping 15 percent alcohol <laughs> Wow. And this wine is going to kick my butt. I can tell you right now. <laughs> it's already kicked my butt. <laughs> I'm going to have four glasses just for this kicking is my butt. This going to be such a good show. I can feel the energy. You're going to be totally plastered by the C-block. <laughs> Probably. I love yeah. it when Sam gets drunk. <laughs> and I get chatty. Which I is know. the other weird side effect of me I drinking know. wine. I so, know. And I'm really yeah. tired, so I'm being a little quiet. This is going to be really weird. <laughs> it's like the Freaky Friday of podcasts. I know. We're like switching places. <laughs> no, yeah. all you have to do is say something offensive. <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> right. You offended all the crow people out yeah, there. Yeah, the crow lovers. Right. <sighs> That's really going out on a limb. <laughs> Controversy. Oh, no. She slammed the crows. I'm not listening anymore. <laughs> and those are the birds, not the band. So the just sorry. I don't want to get Some... any. I can't believe you don't like my band. No. <laughs> the black crows rock. Have they you do. listen to Hard to Handle? Yes. Isn't that awesome? All right. So mm-hmm. anyway, what's your rating? I do like them. Did you give oh, your rating? I think four. I said oh, okay. four. Did yeah. you say four? four. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm tired. <laughs> it was uh, my daughter's birthday today. Light is six years old today, and uh, so it's been kind of one of those running around. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about that, how time flies. My daughter's going to be 16. I know, that's freaky. And I don't know how it happened. I just don't know. (laughs) I mean, how how she happened, but I just don't know how (laughs) she turned 16. So, like, where did it go, you know? I don't know. It goes by fast. All right, well, now we know what we're drinking. (laughs) We need to talk about who we love this week. Time for shout-outs, shout-offs, and announcements. Yes, and my shout-out is to Karen, Mm -hmm. who sent us a link for an online wine review generator, (laughs) which is freaking awesome. You have got to check this out. 
So I did my wine without notes mm -hmm. and came up with this. <clears throat> a diversity. Several so a diversity of several soil types, sun exposures, and vine age creates a sinfully complex vintage. There are complex aromas of mercaptan, cassava, onion ring, <laughs> and allspice. <laughs> The wine is bright and clear with a long, full textured finish. Now, see how easy that is? Wow. Go out, amaze your friends. Well, now I know where all the wine writers have been getting their stuff. What a great job. Because you just go to the wine review generator yeah. and pop it on out and cash a check. That's, there you go. It's brilliant. So thank you, Karen. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, my shout out goes to Jill Purinton, Jenny Cruzy, Ann Stewart, and of course the Cherries for the fabulous time I had in Ohio last week. Yay. Because that's where I was last week. I was hanging out with the Cherries. We had a little kind of mini writers conference, you know, just like about 40 people. So it was really, you know, got to talk to people about their work and it was really a lot of fun. So cool. um, all these people organized it. Jill organized the whole thing while wearing a cervical collar around her neck. Oh, and my she God. looked fabulous. Man. Yay. She decorated the cervical collar with stuff. <laughs> and there was this one point where we were all hanging out because we had like when there were um, classes going on, the people who weren't in the classes would come up and we'd all hang out kind of in this little, you know, um, social area. And people were moving chairs around and trying to. And so somebody needed a chair and Jill just hops right up and starts moving stuff. I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> Got the woman in the cervical collar moving furniture. That's awesome. You know, but she's so, I mean, she looks awesome. She's just so tough. I love oh, that girl. Oh, good. So, yeah, so it was wonderful. Jenny uh, hosted me and Anne at her house, and we had a fabulous time. We um, worked a lot of dogs and goddesses, and it was just mm -hmm. really, really great. So I wanted to send my shout-outs to, um, to everybody because it was so much fun. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And Jill is one of my beta readers. She's fabulous. She, she is wonderful. I love Jill. I yep. love Jill. She's one of she's my favorite wonderful. people in the entire world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's so great. She was talking about her... Um, she she rides motorcycles, you know, bikes. Yes. She's a biker chick. Mm -hmm. And um, she's got like this, I, I guess the, uh, the Harleys, they give you certain patches for your jackets. And if you've crashed a bike, which she did earlier <laughs> this year. Jill's had me and I swear to God, I've been making myself worrying sick over Jill. Crashing her bikes and oh gosh, driving me crazy. So anyway, um, they had like this special patch or whatever. That, uh -huh. So we just all started calling her crash. <laughs> wild <laughs> Jenny was trying to that convince so her to like get a car <laughs> mm -hmm. just drive in a regular car you know because we're all worried about her <laughs> but it was a lot of fun we had a really good time good good well I think that covers us for shout outs shout offs and announcements we'll be back in a minute at Will Write for Wine, we take our civic responsibility very seriously. We don't want anyone getting into any trouble just because we made drinking wine look cool. So we'd like to make the following statements. We are cool. We just have to be drinking wine while being cool. It's not the wine that's cool. It's us. And you, of course, because you listen to us and you're obviously in the top 1% of cool. So you should be happy about that. And that's it. That covers it. But the public service announcement is scheduled for a full minute. So... Underage people get a Pepsi. No soup for you. And if you're planning on driving tonight, put the glass down. Not worth it. Also, never pluck your eyebrows when you've been drinking. That's a handy piece of advice. Oh, and if you put a bottle of Chardonnay in the freezer to chill it quickly, set a timer. A loud timer. Trust us, the last thing you want is a bottle of Chardonnay exploding all over your veggies. And if you're over the age of 35, no drinking games. You're going to have to trust us on that one. Okay. 
That's it. Time's up. Just remember, it's not the wine that's cool. It's you. And we're back. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Turnage. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what right for wine. <laughs> we're just going to have to trudge on through. We're laughing so hard between it. There's no way we're ever going to get this done if we don't just God. trudge through. Well, so you guys are supposed to put up with it. Yeah, and it's been two weeks, so we were like... <laughs> You know, I was like missing our podcast oh, last know, week, and Lottie wasn't here for me to talk to. She's my only friend, so. Oh, <laughs> so oh, this is taking God. us a while this week. Right. Okay. <sighs> Big reunion for... show. Yeah. Yes, okay. yes. <laughs> Time for our listener question. Mm-hmm. This week's question comes from Jessica, who asks, is, t- is dialogue totally necessary? Because the type of book I'm writing, there's a lot of, then we did this, and then we did this, and so far the witty banter I've attempted just to randomly stick in there makes me want to puke when I read it. Oh, it seems somehow out of place, but perhaps it's necessary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when your own writing makes you want to puke, it's not good. I've no. been there. I've no. been there. Okay, yeah. Jessica, thanks for writing in. You know, a lot of people struggle with the balance between action and dialogue when they first start out. So I'm not that surprised, actually, to hear this question. Um, mm-hmm. I think it kind of comes down essentially to two things. First, the um, then we did this and then we did this part <laughs> kind of writing is a very common problem for beginning writers, which mm-hmm. is why there's a, a basic rule. Um, people will say, show, don't tell. You know, show what's going on. Don't say, we did this and then we did this. Mm-hmm. Um, which means let your characters tell tell the story through their dialogue and action rather than tell the reader directly what happened. Um, In that case, yes, dialogue is really important. Second, I think some of the problems that people have with dialogue is that action is very clear. You know, someone does something. They, they do something. They create an action or whatever. Um, and there you go. Boom. But you hear criticisms of writing that banter, you know, people like a witty dialogue. Nobody would ever criticize my writing this way. <laughs> <laughs> they have, and they're completely justified. Uh, good, you know, the banter goes on forever, and it's just people talking, blah, 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 blah. I try not to do it that much, but sometimes the banter gets cute. And gets mm-hmm. away from me. Mm. And I, I do love my dialogue. I'm, I'm a complete dialogue And you're dialogue very good wonk. at it. Oh, yep. well, thank you very much. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I lost my place. <laughs> anyway, oh, so th- it's like it's a lot of blah, 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 blah. Nothing mm-hmm. is really happening. There's no value change. There's, there's a lot of discussion, but nothing's really occurring. I think the key to avoiding that kind of dialogue is to think of your dialogue as action. Uh, For instance, let's say your character wants her boyfriend to propose. I mean, you can show her leaving magazines open to bridal sections around, you know, that's that's action. She's taking action. Or you can have her dropping hints through dialogue. Don't you think it's wonderful when two people can commit to each other forever, honey? (laughs) And he falls over and dies. Anyway, um, her dialogue is a way for her to take action to get to a goal. You know, mm-hmm. so if you if you think of it as that way, is that it's it's part of the action, then it kind of helps to figure out where your dialogue is necessary and where it's not. Um, so if you use your dialogue for the purposes of action, um, then you won't have a problem with the dialogue being expendable that way. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, good. <laughs> and um. <laughs> I forgot to actually write anything in this section, so I'm just going to go with what Lonnie said. <laughs> <laughs> My whole area what is she like, said, like, I'm, I'm like, drinking. Okay, whatever she said. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> Screw you all. I'm but drinking. I agree with you. Okay. And um, 
Thanks a lot, Jessica. To get your question on the show, email us at feedback at Will Write for Wine. And we need questions. We do. We're just running low on yes. our questions. We realized that today that we didn't have that mm-hmm. many left in the in the queue. So if you've got a question about writing, please send it in. Yeah. And uh, we'd love to answer it. If you have a question about gardening, I will be of no help to you. But if but it's writing related, oh, yes, you can do that. <laughs> but if you have a knitting question, Lonnie can help you. Right. So. I will absolutely answer all your knitting questions as well. That's how desperate we are for questions. So send them in. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And now for this week's We Recommend segment. Yes. Each week we recommend something, music, books, movies, TV shows, websites, whatever that we love so we can share them with you. Yes. And this week I am recommending a TV show. (gasps) Yes. You heard me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't watch a lot of TV, but I do have a few favorite shows. Mm -hmm. One of them is a cartoon on Nickelodeon called Avatar, The Last Airbender. (laughs) Sweetness loves that show. And so do I. And yes, you heard me. It is a cartoon. (laughs) Let me see. According to Wikipedia, which we all know is gospel. (laughs) Right. Talk about reliable information. (laughs) Wikipedia. (laughs) Avatar, The Last Airbender, is an Emmy Award nominated American animated television series. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know. Isn't that amazing? Set in an Asian-influenced world of martial arts and elemental magic, the series follows the adventures of the latest of a long line of avatars, Aang and his friends, in their quest to save the world from the ruthless Fire Nation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's set up in a series of books, one through three, and the current season is number three. So is that the last season? Yes. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason I love the series is because of the character development, which is amazing, let alone for an animated show. Mm -hmm. In fact, the character development has equal time with the plot, which I really like. Mm -hmm. The main protagonist and primary antagonist are fascinating to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, You see a struggle and selfishness and pride and courage with from both of the characters Mm. and the secondary characters um, are also developed which is equally amazing but it is the show between the main characters that really makes this series worth watching well that is really interesting because you know i just turn it on and leave (laughs) well and if you watch the whole series i think Uh you get a better understanding of how the characters are developing through Uh each show see i never just i just saw a bald kid with like a Mm -hmm. blue squiggly on his head and i was like okay whatever yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you know they watch pokemon too and i don't get pokemon (laughs) oh no i don't get pokemon at all so yeah so anyway it must be couch potato week because i'm recommending a tv show too It's called Meerkat Manor. <laughs> it's on oh. Animal Planet. And it is, mm-hmm. I mean, it is insane. It, I've completely gotten to it. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Katie. You know, everybody knows Catherine Wade, our good friend of the show. And um, yes. I was talking to her, and she was telling me about Meerkat Manor, you know, which is basically like if you know Timon and Pumbaa from uh, Lion King. Mm-hmm. Timon, which is the character played by uh, Nathan, what's his face, who was in the producers. I can't remember his name. Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane, that's it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he was a meerkat, you know, the little skinny thing. Not, you right, know. And right. So anyway, right. Um, meerkats, as it turns out, are real. And they live in Africa, in the plains of Africa. And they have these little, these bands, these family units. And they've got a dominant female who runs the whole show, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's just, it's crazy. There's so much drama and there's so much politics. And I mean, it's just the most insane thing. And you watch, and these are actual meerkats. It's done by Cambridge University and um, in England. They have a special kind of, you know, pro- program that they do there. And mm-hmm. so they've got cameras like everywhere. And they've been studying these meerkats. And they basically are making the study into a TV show because there's so much drama. It is so, I mean, it's like, like, you know, for instance, okay, 
<laughs> the main, I'm telling you, it's crazy. The main character is this dominant female flower, you know, in the, in the mm-hmm. early in season one. They've got this dominant female flower, and she is in charge of the whole thing. And she has breeding rights. She's the only one who can breed. So then hmm. her two little slutlet daughters go out and get knocked up, right? <laughs> so she has her pups. And then the daughters have the pups. And then, you know, you hear the narration saying that, you know, well, Flower has, is with, well within her rights to kill the pups, her grandchildren, <laughs> because she has to keep her. Th- and then she magnanimously uh-huh. allows the pups to live. But then she, huh. then she, um, she gets the daughter. She kicks the daughters out of the family. So the daughters have like no. And meerkats survive by their sheer numbers. It's all about mm. the community thing. So if you're not part of a big family, then you're basically dead in the water. Like you know, a, a hawk is going to come uh-huh. by and pick you off and everything. <laughs> I mean, it is incredibly. So it was this whole huge drama where she like you know basically you know kicked her daughter out of the out of the gang, and then her daughter Mozart is just like following <laughs> along like fifty paces behind, and they would chase her off and i mean it was crazy it's high high drama anyway it's really it's a great show i'm very into it now and i'm getting all the seasons from netflix (laughs) and well while you're at it get the avatar stuff too right 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 i will all right okay okay all right well i think we could use some more wine yeah we gotta loosen up (laughs) (laughs) we'll be back in a flash A sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape. An ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose. A calculating killer launches a deadly game. From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight unseen by Samantha Graves, now available at a store near you. Thanks for coming back with us. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is We'll Write for Wine. I hate saying that. (laughs) Tonight's show is on writers. But I Suck is what the title is called. (laughs) Which may not be the best title. It's kind of hard to get across. It might not. Anyway, tonight we're going to focus on the mind games we play with ourselves as writers. Both how we view ourselves and our work. And how we allow other people around us to affect our opinions of ourselves and our work. I mean, the thing is, you know, if we were sane, we wouldn't be writers. (laughs) Right. You know, so there's a lot of, um, you know, Sam and I have been talking about this a lot, just kind of um, how as as writers, there's just kind of like specific things that we do to ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, um, as far as like, especially the um, the but I suck thing, you know, yeah. where you um, you just worry, we worry so much about um you know, about whether we're any good compared to other people and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the, the idea that, you know, you, you have this passion for this and, and what if you, what if you suck at it? You know, so a lot of times we'll say we suck, mm-hmm. um, you know, be self-deprecating to kind of knock ourselves down before somebody else gets a chance. Right. You know, right. Mm-hmm. and, um, and I think that that's, um, it's just kind of one of the, the mind games that we play. Like, you know, if we, if we know we suck, if we think we suck, if we, you know, remind ourselves that we suck, then nobody else can surprise us when they decide we suck. Right. Which I is true. That's what that's about. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's what a, you, and it's, mm-hmm. well, and especially I think because it's something that is so, um, so personal. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're creating a product. It's not like you're creating a widget. Mm-hmm. And somebody says this widget sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's you're actually creating a 
a, an original, unique product that mm-hmm. no one else can create. Right. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says you suck, mm-hmm. or you know, or or they don't like it, right? They might not say you suck, but they mm-hmm. might say you know, or they don't, they're not, or they're not crazy about it. Right. You know, it becomes a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it really can, mm-hmm. and um, and I find that a lot of a lot of writers will say that they're they're not good you know and they'll say mm-hmm. and we're going to kind of you know get to the the reverse of that mm-hmm. you know a little later on in the discussion as far as you know kind of how I, I feel about that whole thing <laughs> no about the whole you have thoughts yeah. about that mm-hmm. I do I actually do I have very strong <laughs> thoughts about that but I mean the thing is that there's just this tendency to kind of try to take yourself down before other people do it and you know mm-hmm. my feeling on that is that people are going to line up 10 deep to take you down and to tell you you're horrible Mm. um you know so it's one of those things that if you say it enough you know you're going to start to believe it right even if you're joking around and i mean there's a lot of that like where you're like oh i suck you know Mm -hmm. and i mean i you know i'm just as guilty as anybody else so i mean you know forget going back through the podcast of all the time i'm like i suck you know but i mean (laughs) it's one of those things that we just kind of that i I find a lot of people really do you know Mm -hmm. So one of our first uh, things that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. is the uh, idea that I'm not published, so I don't know anything. Right, right. Because there are a lot of people, um, especially when you get published and unpublished writers together, mm-hmm. um, the people who are unpublished always, you know, don't bow. value their own opinions. Yeah. Especially they on will issues bow to of a published author. Right, yeah. right. They'll bow to the published mm-hmm. person. And really, when it comes down to writing and skill and craft, mm. um, how do I say this delicately? <laughs> I think actually I've said this before. Probably not delicately. But like being published doesn't mean that you know anything about anything. It just means that you got lucky. Um, well, and I think when, uh, and I think a lot of times, especially you know, I, I sold my first book mm-hmm. and obviously I've come a long way from right. writing my first book to mm-hmm. where I am now. Mm-hmm. Now I still feel that I have a long way to go as far as, um, learning craft and understanding what I'm doing. Right. You know, a lot of the things I do are instinctual, but I don't mm-hmm. really understand why mm-hmm. they work, you know, or maybe yeah. if they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing but, is that they, they do, you're an extremely mm-hmm. talented writer. Um, but I guess the thing with publishing is that it's not really, a lot of people um, look at it as like, this is what defines whether you're any good or not, is whether you've been published or not. And the fact is that I know some extremely talented writers who've not been published yet. And I have read some published books that were terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but I will tell you that I've read some published books. So it's I, I'm it's not a barometer of mm-hmm. of how good you are. There There's, are a lot of very yes. good, excellent, excellent novelists who are published and extremely successful, and mm-hmm. and they've earned it. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from like you know right. your Jenny Cruises, your Susan Elizabeth Phillips, your Nora Roberts. Mm-hmm. You know, they're successful because they're good. You know, but the fact that they got published in the first place you mm-hmm. know i mean it, it is kind of whether what you're writing at that particular time is marketable there are a lot of right. things there's that so many factors in, right to getting published that have nothing right. to do with how much you know if it's a high concept book mm-hmm. if it's got a great concept right you know your chances are that, that you're gonna have a better chance of getting it published 
Right. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and it, it depends on what's hot and what's not and, mm-hmm. you know, how the whole romance industry is doing or any other industry is doing. Right. Mm-hmm. What they're looking for, what their lines are set up for. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, many times, you know, we've, we, you know, both Lonnie and I have gotten uh, rejections. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we'll hear, you know, the writing is great, mm-hmm. but this doesn't work for any of our lines. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not anything to do with or the writing. Sure, exactly. They're not sure how to market it or whatever. Exactly. So, it, so you know, getting back to kind of the mind games is that um, a, a lot of times published or unpublished authors will instantly, you know, say, oh, well, you know, what do I know? What do I know? I'm not published. Like they don't mm-hmm. have, they don't have the yes. published books behind them. So they, they feel like they have nothing. And then, you know, and then on the, on the flip side, you got people who've been published who think that they know everything and that mm. they, you know, because they've been published because that's what they look to. And I think that inherently the publication question poisons so much in writer's head. You right. know, I mean, it's it's a shame, and it's it's well, a double edged sword because it's wonderful. I mean, I'll tell you something. I skip to the bank when I've got a check to cash. You know, <laughs> I mean, publishing is good sometimes. You know, so yep. I mean, there's, it's it's a double edged sword, but it also, um, it also kind of creates so much sort of crap and white noise in your head that you kind of have to get out whether you're unpublished or published published people have to deal with this too is that you know there's so much going on in publication in the process of being published that um that can really mess with your head as far as your belief in yourself you know um because you'll write a really fabulous book and it won't sell well right you know or you'll you'll figure out why right and you know it could be the cover it could be the back cover copy it could be a lot of factors any number of things that are totally out of your out of your hands right Right. you know and then there are horrible books that do really really well and nobody Mm -hmm. understands that either (laughs) you know and you look at that and you think oh gosh you know they're writing terrible books and they're doing really really well and here i am killing myself and maybe i suck and that brings us back to point one you know <laughs> but we were all unpublished at one point right mm-hmm. so you have to kind of re- keep that you know even published authors were unpublished at some point you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. they're not um that, that is no um right and it's no not rank like, and file there you know so. i mean there was a difference of one day between the day that i was unpublished to the day that i right. was suddenly published and you know i got published uh, fairly quickly and fairly early and mm-hmm. so all of a sudden you know, people were treating me like I knew anything about anything, which at that point, <laughs> you know, I was just like, dude, somebody's going to pay me for this? Cool. Like, I had no idea what I, I mean, and, and it's very annoying. It's, I know it's really annoying. People have, like, been killing themselves for, like, 10 years trying to get published. And, you know, here I am. I write a book in 30 days. I edit it for, like, three or four weeks, you know, add, like, 20,000 words. <laughs> and then, you know, oh, my God, I'm published. And it is really annoying to hear that. And I completely understand. I totally totally sympathize with how irritating that is here. This just happens to be my particular path. Now, trust me, I'm paying my dues. <laughs> if yeah, you think, if we you all think this, do. this process is not kicking my ass, but firmly, then you're not listening. Um, but I mean, you know, so I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's been really hard. It's been difficult. There's a lot of challenges, um, you know, involved. But like the day that I became published from when I was unpublished, I didn't know anything more the following day than I did the day before. <laughs> and all of a sudden, what I said, people took seriously, you know, and, um, and, you know, it's nice. It's always nice to be taken seriously. But at the same time, like, I didn't know then what I know now, you know, now, right. when I talk to people, I feel like I actually have 
I have something of value to say. If I don't feel like I have anything of value to say, I'll usually, believe it or not, shut up. Um, <laughs> Speaking of which. Right. Our next topic, uh-huh. which is just say thank you and shut up. Right. <laughs> now, this is where if you tell somebody that you love their book. Mm-hmm. And then they come back to you and they say, well, you know, I liked it too, but I wish I would have done this or I didn't like this part of it. It was so hard to write. Um, Yeah. You know what? Just say thank you and shut up. (laughs) This is is for our published authors who are listening. Um, And this is a really difficult challenge Mm -hmm. to to kind of accept. because Because, well, automatically, I think you want to remain humble. And somehow you want to, you know, bring that humility, but, but, but on the other hand, you know, that's not really, the reader isn't really interested. interested. (laughs) When somebody comes up to you and says, I loved your book and you're like, oh my God, it was terrible. Then they think that you're basically saying your taste is, obviously you're too stupid to know a good book because that book sucked, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it's because of all of our inner issues going on there. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, especially if it was a very particularly difficult book to write. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. we all have books that are really easy to write. They're gifts Mm -hmm. or gift books. Mm -hmm. And then we have other books. Mm-hmm. that that kick our butts right you know mm-hmm. from beginning to end it's mm-hmm. a battle everything seems to be a battle in it but the book still turns out okay right. but you have you bring all that baggage to it as the author you know you, do. you really do yeah. and you just need to say thank you I'm so glad you liked it and that's yes. all you need to say and then mm-hmm. that actually I think is actually kind of a more humble and very gracious response yes. exactly then Absolutely. to then to be like oh no it was terrible uh, you know oh no no no, yeah. no 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 and you tell people mm-hmm. no 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 and also after a while it gets um it gets kind of tiring I remember it was about a year ago I think I was at a conference and um you know and I mean honestly like I am not a big deal at all in this industry like I'm such a little tiny you know person yeah. and I've just <laughs> started you, mean, yeah. you know what I'm, I've just started and so like I you know I go to these conferences and a couple of people say hi and they'll be like oh I liked your book or whatever this is like the first conference I went to where like so many people stopped and were like oh my god I love this I love this and I'd had three or four or five books out at that time and um so there was a, a wide selection of books that people were coming and talking to me about and saying that they mm-hmm. really liked it and I really really struggled with that. I mean, I felt like every time somebody yes. said something nice to me, I felt like I needed to balance it, you yes. know, and I couldn't balance it without being, you know, like un- ungracious. Self-deprecating. Right, yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah. I mm-hmm. was completely lost in this one space. And then, um, you know, after talking to some friends who had been in the industry a little while longer than me, you know, it kind of came to my attention that it's not about me. It's yes. about them and their experience with my book. And it just so happens to be my book, mm-hmm. you know, so it makes it a lot easier for you to kind of be gracious and accept the compliments. If you realize that it's not about you, it's about that they read this book and this book really touched them and that they want yes. you to know that. And they need, I mean, think about reversing it, like how you feel when you go up to somebody and you love their book and you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I loved this book. It was so wonderful. It changed my life blah, blah, blah. All you want them to do is just to know that what mm-hmm. they did affected you that way. And right. It's, it's really about you at that moment. And so when, as a writer on the other end of it, you need to let it be about the reader, that it's their experience with that right. book. And that well, book and that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Your hand, you 
you send that book out to the reader. Right. Mm-hmm. It's their book. It's not your book anymore. Right. I mean, once once it goes out on the shelf, it's no longer your book. Mm-hmm. It belongs to them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a good I really one. like that one. Okay. That's a good one. Well, here's a here's a good um, <laughs> kind of writer psychology thing. How to get away from people who undermine your writing efforts, like family and other writers and friends. So, uh, so what right. do you? Have, have uh, we're you talking had about critique. Well, um, actually, I I think I have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I really have tried to. I mean, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, you could kind of feel it. You sense it mm-hmm. or whatever. And I I generally am, am a non-confrontational person. Yes. Um, well, you know, except for Lonnie. Except for me. <laughs> I'm so glad that you can do that with me too. She'll tell me you're to shut up special. all the time. Yeah, I know. You're very I love special. Because <laughs> oh, you know oh, I'll love up. you no matter what. Oh, shut up. <laughs> but not everybody loves me. So <laughs> only crazy people wouldn't love you. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, people who undermine your writing efforts. Now, this could be for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, family or friends who just don't get it. I mean, right. they just don't get it they Mm -hmm. don't understand why you're doing it they don't understand why you would do all this work with no guaranteed payoff you know there's people who who earn a normal living people (laughs) who are normal and sane and don't understand the creative they they do their work they get paid for it and for us we do our work and maybe we get paid for it maybe wait a minute wait a minute i'm beginning to see their point These are our sane people. These right. are absolutely sane people who exactly. just don't understand. They don't understand the the, the drive that we have, mm-hmm. or the the urgency, or and this, the, the this need is a dream. To do it. Right? Yes, you know, they don't understand do this dream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and writers are not, you know, they're very much, I think, akin to artists, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in that way. Well, we are that artists. you're creating. We are. Did We're you not creating get the memo? something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I can't paint. I know. It doesn't I know mean I, I can write, but I'm I can't paint. So, you know. I'm just yeah. right, Tell I'll me to shut, shut up. up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the other side of that, uh, so, you know, so you've got your family. They just don't get it. Family, mm-hmm. friends, they don't get it. They don't understand why you're holed up in your, this room for hours on end and why you can't come out and, and play they, Scrabble and with them. And they resent you know. exactly that, you know, that yes. it takes you away from them. And I've actually been really lucky um and in regards to the support that I've received for my writing but I mean I you know a lot of people will ask me things like you know at at conferences about um you know, well, how do you find the time? And, you know, where do you, how come yeah. when, when you've got a husband who wants dinner on the table and you've got kids who need this and you've got a house that needs cleaning and you got, mm-hmm. and my answer is always that you have to, you have to choose. You have to choose between a clean floor and yeah. a chapter and, you know, and that you really, you can't, um, you can't let people make demands on you that you can't, you know, when you've got other stuff to do. And a lot right. of people would give in, especially cause you know, we're women and we're mm. nurturing and we want to take care of people. And so when people need us, we want to be there for them. And we want our houses to always be clean. And we want to be Donna Reed. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> Deep down inside, even in me, there's that little voice that says, you know, if you're not in heels, dust in the ceiling fan, then you're not good enough. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that little Donna Damn Reed voice her. saying, Damn her why, for ruining have you, everything. Yeah. why have you not baked a pie? But you know what about Donna Reed, though? She was like one of the first producers in television. You know that Isn't bitch's that- house was messy. <laughs> 
or she hired somebody to clean it. You know, in real that's life, right. she wasn't baking pies. She was producing a damn TV show in the 50s. That's right. Isn't that know? funny? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's ironic, I think. Yeah. But anyway. But I, I yeah. love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other side of that, so you get the people who just don't get it. Right. They don't understand. They want your time. They mm-hmm. don't understand how long it takes exactly. to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other side of that, you have writers right. who know exactly how long it takes, who mm-hmm. understand it all. And for whatever reason, either um, don't want you to succeed, to succeed mm-hmm. or don't know how to help you succeed. Right. Does that make sense? Does that, is that a good way of putting that? I'm not really sure if I'm getting my point across without offending every writer out there. I know. Well, you know, I mean, there's some, there's some people out there. Well, there's the people who like to talk about writing but don't like to actually write. Right. So there's that. And then, you know, and the thing is, is that once you've, you know, been been friends with a certain group of people or a certain group of writers. God, this is going to be so hard to talk about without people mm-hmm. being like, oh my God, are you talking about me? No, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> no, we're not talking. Experience. No, we're not. We're not. This yeah. isn't my experience. I'm talking about other right. writers who have this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and then sometimes if one person in a group becomes more successful or, you know, actually finishes a book or gets published or whatever it is, sometimes that'll cause a rift because the other writers don't know how to how to deal with that you know or how to right. support somebody. well like, and that goes if you've back unpublished yeah. and published people mixing mm-hmm. um like oh, mixing oh my god that sounds terrible that's what i mean um, <laughs> cohabitating sounds horrible <laughs> it just there's like no meerkat way manor no, i know there's no way to say this without sounding horrible but that sometimes like in the way that unpublished um writers will sometimes demean themselves or not demean themselves but like put themselves down well and just be, what we know. were just talking exactly, about earlier about exactly that. doing it's, that same type of thing and, and it does all of a sudden create this invisible barrier uh, yes it, it does it and is. it shouldn't it, it really, really shouldn't it really so should. we're trying They're, to tell you yeah. it shouldn't right i mean there are unpublished writers who are twice as right. talented as i'll ever hope to be mm-hmm. you know and it's just you and know. And I think, um, you know, occasionally you do outgrow a group mm-hmm. or or you, because, not because you're published, not mm-hmm. because you get published, I don't mean that, but I mean on a writing level, on a skill of you level, right. exactly, and also on a dedication level, right? Mm-hmm. which I think is really far more important than a published level. Mm-hmm. You will see writers, a new writer come into a chapter. Mm-hmm. And they've got it all together. Mm-hmm. They're writing hard. They're making time for it. Mm-hmm. You just know that that person is going to make it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you've got other people who are there because they like to write. But they also like the social side of it. Mm-hmm. And they like the chapter. And they like, you know. And it's kind but, of a casual thing. It's and, more of a mm-hmm. casual. It's more of a hobby. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, God knows how many uh, uh, novels are out there that have made, right. you know, bestseller lists. And they were hobbies. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, these people, you know, they have other things in their life. They do not you know, allow writing to like be their only Mm -hmm. sole purpose. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like me. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, we do get a little obsessive about it. We do. We do. So they're Mm -hmm. not quite as obsessive about it. Not quite as obsessive. um, Mm -hmm. Right. So I think sometimes if you start out in a group that's got a mix of those people, you will automatically gravitate toward the people who I think um, are more in the same. Right. Mm-hmm. pace that you are right right yeah exactly yeah. so you kind of so. you kind of do that um you know and this kind of leads us into the um the professional jealousy kind of thing mm. 
which is really difficult to talk about. Um, Very difficult. And a yeah. lot of people really don't like to talk about it. And, you know, we're going to, I feel like we're going to make people angry with this. I mean, I hope you guys know and give us, like, total benefit of the doubt in what we're talking about tonight. Because um, I don't mean to, like, I, I feel like I'm saying, like, you know, oh, unpublished writers and published writers and blah, blah, blah. And the thing is that there's this kind of, like, false division there and yes um but you know i mean a lot of that plays into sort of a professional jealousy thing that goes on and it's it's the sort of thing that happens at every single level and a lot of it people will be jealous of you for things that don't really exist for things that they imagine <laughs> if someone well, perceives you to be more successful than them whether you actually are, are or not, not yeah you know i yeah. mean I've, I've seen that happen again you know i have to say and you know i'm not even joking i really i've been extremely lucky uh, in these areas you know as far mm -hmm. as the people that i've been been hanging around with um but i mean i've heard horror mm -hmm. stories about you know people who are really really good friends and then one of them hits the new york times list or you know an unpublished people and then one of them gets published or mm -hmm. you know something like that and then all of a sudden it's like people are just you know, they, they kind of get catty and mean sometimes, Yeah. you know, and yeah. I've seen it happen. And the thing is though, the jealousy thing is kind of a natural reaction. I mean, you hear about somebody, you're working really hard for something and then yes. it happens for somebody else and you're like, yes. why them and not me? Well, I, and, and the thing is you can be very happy for them too, but on well, the I other think it's side, the indulging that for right. more than a nanosecond, you can feel it for right. a nanosecond and that's human. After that, right. it's just well, indulgent. You know, mm -hmm. what it becomes is a very negative type of feeling because, right. um, you know, you look at them and you're like, oh, they made it and they're published or whatever they made the New York Times or whatever it might be and and you might turn that around mm -hmm. and kind of say to yourself well I guess I'm not good enough to get there right. and it kind of feeds on that self-deprecation right. and that's something that you have to understand that um success in this building in this building in, in this, this building. in this business in this building you'll never work in this building again yeah. in this business you can rate success on a million different uh, criteria oh, yes what uh -huh. you view success to be maybe completely different to what somebody else does mm -hmm. you know for example okay somebody who's in the chapter who's who loves to be in the chapter loves to be with right. people mm -hmm. views writing as a hobby finishing a chapter is a huge success right mm -hmm. for them yeah you know mm -hmm. so I mean if you if you start I think what you have to do in this business is you can't you can look at other people and how they're doing mm -hmm. and how they did it and how right. they got there and kind of look at it more on a business side mm -hmm. but I think the key to being happy in this business mm -hmm. is to um, only judge yourself on your own progress right on your own success on your own goals right and I think you have to stay very focused on mm -hmm. that and it's really easy to compare but I it think is. once you start comparing is when you start getting those negative when those negative feelings really in. wrong yes yeah and the thing you is know, you can't make somebody else's success Mm -hmm. You know, okay, if somebody else hits the New York Times, that has absolutely nothing to do to with, do with me. your, yeah, you know, yeah. it has or your nothing goals, to do with me. or it's your timeline, or for what, them. yeah. And yeah. the happier you are for other people, the happier you will be in general. If you can yes. be genuinely happy for somebody else's success, 
And it's hard. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I've never had a jealous moment in my life because I would be (laughs) lying. I have had them, you know, and I think that it's a human reaction. I think that the moment you hear about something and you have that Maybe not jealousy, maybe envy. You know, I wish. Yeah, I, you know, I wish. You know, maybe something yeah, I like that. that for me. But, I think yeah. that, you know, I don't, I don't know, like, to me that I necessarily see it as that. It's just that, that twinge of, oh, mm-hmm. gosh, you know, because it makes you feel like it's it's like she's doing so good. Like you're lesser of a, a writer. Yes. It has nothing to do with you. It has exactly. nothing to do with you. Somebody else's success. They're not mm-hmm. taking anything away. They're not taking your spot away. They're not doing nope. anything. You know, your career is your career and theirs is theirs. And mm-hmm. you need to be able to keep that separate. I mean, I think the key to happiness in this business is not to think about the business, is to concentrate yeah. on the work, that it has to be about the exactly. work and the craft because you can control that. Nothing else can you control. And that, mm-hmm. I think, is where a lot of the unhappiness comes from. Mm-hmm. Well, from the business, I mean promotion, you know, that type of stuff. I'm talking really, you know, basic business stuff. Yeah, I mean, not well, you, like the business of yeah. trying to figure this business out. Right. Well, I mean, you, know you can't I mean. control anything. Like the thing is that it, yeah. it it affects you so personally because it's your book. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and yet there's absolutely nothing you can do. I mean, once you've written the book and you've handed it in, you've gone through copy edits and galleys. I mean, you have yeah. no control over anything. Right. At that point, and you really need to just kind of let it go, which actually brings us into the next point Mm -hmm. that we had which is about releasing the book (laughs) and this is something I think that can apply both to published and unpublished authors as well because unpublished authors will have books that they've written you know I have an unpublished book that I've written Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I've never released (laughs) which I think needs some releasing because it's not a great book you know I haven't even tried to sell it really I sent it to my agent early on it was I'd written it even before I got her and then I, I you know I finished the um, time of good behavior and that's the book that I got published with but um but I mean this this book was a book that I loved for a lot of different reasons I was one of those again I knew nothing about writing I was just having fun and I wrote the book that I wanted to have fun with and all this you know kind of stuff and um and I I love that book and I still think about it and I still think that someday I want to do something with it but at this point mm. it's the book that I wrote you know four years ago right doesn't apply to who I am now like I would have to completely rewrite it because you only have a certain window to work on a particular book you know you have to be a particular person and the book has to be the kind of book that you need to write right then so um so I'd have to completely rewrite it and and I think Mm -hmm. that sometimes you need to release a book you know an unpublished book as well if it's something that you're just not you know going to do anything with for the moment you just have to let it go and if it comes back later it's something you can work with but or as, you can do you know, it like I do, and then, and then I just steal the ideas from that one and put them in another book. <laughs> you can do that, too. You can do that, too, baby. That's a because, release, too. Because, because like then, you yeah. said, you know, the person you were when you originally wrote, the first version right. is not the person that you are now. Mm-hmm. But you might have elements of that book that, you can that are use. really going to... That that still work for you, right, so right, yeah. yeah. And um, also on the on the published side of things, <laughs> releasing the book. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I'm like the worst person in the world to release a book once it's out. Oh on the shelf. yes, oh yes, you. Oh, you, she's still like I have to like be, literally not read they, the book. Yeah, because it just yeah, makes because crazy. it's it does done because it's I'll read the paragraph and I'm like, oh, I could do that so much better. She now. knows she could change it out, right? <laughs> but the thing with a book is that once it's been published, once it's out there. You know, you have to just let it be what it's going to be. I mean, to mm-hmm. to religiously check Amazon every day. And again, 
let me just say for the hypocrite in me, I wouldn't be, you know, cautioning all you people against it if I hadn't done it myself. You know, I mean, you fall. It's very easy to fall into these things. It's just that it's not it really good for you. It's not really mm-hmm. good for you. And it's not, you know, I have a friend right now who's uh, unbelievably wonderful, wrote a beautiful book. Um, but she just doesn't think anything's going to happen with it for a number of different reasons. You know, she's just like, well, it's going to go out there. And, and I mean, I know how that feels. You know, you know, book's going to go mm. out there and you just know that it's not going to do well and it's not going to like take off or whatever. And you put your heart and your soul and everything that you love love into this book and it just whatever just kind of plops you know um and that does happen and it can be really Mm -hmm. really distressing and i think that what you need to do is release it you know i mean you need to consciously just let it go and let it be whatever it's going to be and concentrate on the next book and whatever it is that you're working on now because you can get so caught up in the whole publishing whatever and even when it's good you know, even when it's successful and something's doing really well, you know, I mean, it's it's an industry like any other, which is all about, you know, what have you done for me lately? You have yeah, that great exactly. flash moment of success. And then the <laughs> next thing you know, you're killing yourself to get the next book out, you know. And or I mean, like just, I like to say, you know, I'll, I'll, ha- I'll write something that I really like. Mm-hmm. Then I'll say, but I could start sucking any minute yes, now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know. You're like, yeah, that might have gone well. That was a fluke. I still yeah. suck, you know? <laughs> and it's true. Which brings us to our next point. Oh, right. Which is why saying I'm a great writer is so important. Okay, now this is some this is my personal little torch that I carry. <laughs> Your little soapbox. It is okay, my soapbox. Let me Get up crawl there. on up here. Okay, first of all, <laughs> Again, let me tell you, this is only because I used to be the exact opposite that I feel so strongly about this. Because I always used to be like, oh, no, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that great. I'm just, you know, doing my best. I'm just pure luck that I got published and I suck and, you know, everybody else is so much better than me and blah, blah, blah. And these are things that you say for a number of different reasons. You can say them because you don't want to admit that you think you're a good writer. You can say them because you don't want to make anybody else feel like they're not good. You don't want to make anybody think that you think you're better than them. Um, And the fact is that saying I'm a great writer is not about anybody else it's about you Um, you need to be able to say I'm a great writer for a number of reasons one is because like I said people will line up 10 deep to tell you you suck any time of day anytime you want it (laughs) there will be people lining up to tell you how terrible you are and how you'll never make it and how you're not good enough and you know what this business will not you will not survive in this business unless you have the confidence to believe in yourself and part of that is what you say to yourself it's so much more important that you say to yourself every day I am a great writer that you wake up in the morning and you say I am a great writer because if you don't nobody else will and if you don't believe in yourself this industry will chew you up and spit you out and you will be so miserable and unhappy. You Mm -hmm. have to believe if you're going to write a book and you're going to say, I am worth, you know, 13 of your dollars and I am worth six hours of your time. I mean, that is essentially, you know, by saying you want to get published that you want to say, you know, I'm worth this. I'm going to give you something that's going to be worth this, that it takes a certain level of arrogance. And you know what? You need to have a certain level of arrogance in order to write a book, in order to get it done, in order to say this is important enough, that I'm going to take time away from my family, that I'm going to not clean up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to vacuum for a month. I'm not going to, you know, I mean, all these things. (laughs) Everybody's like, I want to go to Lonnie's house. Sounds (laughs) fabulous over there. It's actually clean right now, if you believe it. But, um, But, you know, I mean, these are the things that you need to say to yourself. If you can say it in safety out loud 
to a good friend, then do that. If you can say mm-hmm. it out loud, because that's, I think, the hardest thing to do is say, I am a great writer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to go around. I mean, a lot of times when I talk about this, the argument that I get back is, you know, I don't want to go around saying I'm so great because, you know, that makes other people feel it has nothing to do. You're not saying I'm better than anybody else. You're not saying I have nothing left to learn. You're not saying that you have reached the pinnacle of all greatness that human beings can achieve and now have nothing to do, but sit back and drink umbrella drinks all day long. (laughs) You know, you're not saying that you're saying I am a great writer to I may be a better writer tomorrow. That's awesome, you know, Mm -hmm. but I am a great writer today. And it is so important that you believe that because that is what's going to give you the strength to get through everything else that you need to get through in order to be, be a writer. Right. You know, so um, I think that's, I think that's my soapbox. (laughs) I absolutely agree. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that concludes our segment. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope we helped a few people out there anyway. I hope we didn't offend anybody. I know. I feel like I I've know said it's hard. Really, it's hard. I don't mean to say anything. It's very, well, horrible. it's very it's hard to. about the truth. When you say the truth yeah. about things, sometimes it can be mm-hmm. a little controversial. Right. So. Well, I guess we'll find out. People hate us now. You're like, Lonnie, you're a jerk. And we need more wine. Right. (laughs) So we're going to take a quick break to refill. We'll be back in a minute. Flynn Daly needs a drink. Under pressure from her father, she's agreed to move out of her South Boston neighborhood and run the inn left to her by her dead aunt. The problem? It's in the middle of upstate New York where there's nature and bugs and no public transportation. The cute bartender keeps giving her attitude and she's getting visits from her Aunt Esther, even though she's dead. Jake Tucker needs a break. He's sure that Esther Goodhouse was murdered, but he can't find any proof. If cozying up to Esther's niece gets him the information he needs, so be it. But once he gets close to Flynn, he decides that some investigations are more fun with a partner. Crazy in Love by Lonnie Diane Rich. In stores now. Thanks for coming back. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Samantha Graves. And this is Will Wright for Wine. Want to win some great prizes? Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hit me. I like the enthusiasm. <laughs> Head on down to willwrightforwine.com and give us some feedback and questions. We're looking for questions, yes. wine suggestions, or just general commentary on the show. Mm-hmm. Each month, all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket. At the end of the month, we'll pull a name out of the bucket to win a fabulous prize. For October, we are giving away a signed copy of The Fabulous Crazy in Love by <laughs> Lonnie Diane Rich, which is getting rave reviews. Uh-huh. And your very own Will Rife for Wine refrigerator magnet. How cool is that? <laughs> I was waiting for you to like add something in there, but that's okay. Oh. No, I'm completely wiped out. I had a kid with a birthday today. I'm totally brain dead. I'm sorry. And I was All waiting right. for you. How cool is that? All right, go ahead. There we go. Yes, Say very. Professionals. Oh, very. All you have to do to enter is send us an email at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or comment on our website. Yes, we will announce the October winner at our first November show. So send in your comments and suggestions now. Right. Because you only have a week. Right? Right. Week? One week? First November show? Yeah. Is that next week? You only got a week. week. Oh, dear God, already? I know. I know. Oh, my God. All right. Well, up next we have the dun-dun-dun-dun weekly (laughs) weigh-in. How'd you do this week, Sam? 
Well, I got more stuff done in my last book, including right. the cover art stuff and some mm-hmm. pages that I need needed to provide for the um, inside matter right. material, mm-hmm. whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm done until copy edit, so mm-hmm. yay. yay. I entered Sight Unseen into contests, which yay. is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. As well, I created a playlist for my nano book, mm-hmm. uh, tentatively titled Invincible. Uh-huh. which I have been researching and pondering, not writing, mm-hmm. but pondering. Pondering. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I started collage, and I also did a mock cover, a book cover. Right, you did. <laughs> you did mock book covers for everybody. For, like, everybody, like, yeah. dude, you got a book, I'm making a mock cover for you. It was awesome. <laughs> They're very cute. Um, let so me how'd see. you do? What did I do this week? Well, I was gone mm-hmm. all last week. Right. I was home this week, though. <laughs> I should have gotten something done. <laughs> Damn. Um, anyway, I was gone all last week, and I did do a lot of work, actually, on Dogs and Goddesses. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we made a lot of progress with that. We worked on Good. that together, and I've been I've been mostly focusing on that this week. And I got um, 10 pages written and rewritten. <laughs> I'm probably going to throw them out and rewrite them again. Um, so, yeah, those opening scenes that kill you. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I've done, I've done a little bit, mostly since I, I got home. I've been kind of dealing with all the stuff that my husband, while well, he was taking care of the girls. Um, let go. I came home and like the washing machine was broken and oh, I had to fix that. Oh man! You know, just all yeah, sorts of stuff worst. around the house that I've been having to do. So mostly I've been focusing on that. Good. Good. Yeah. All right. And now it's time for this week's random etc. segment where we do whatever we feel like because it's our show. Yes. This week we're going to do our favorite killer word. Woo! I love this one. I love this word. one. And okay. I've got one actually this week that I think you probably already know. But uh, I you really know, every like time it. you say that, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is that I've heard this word before, uh-huh. but I never really knew what it meant. And then right. I saw it and I was like, oh, that's cool. So mm-hmm. um, here, here it is. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Raconteur. Okay. Raconteur. Mm-hmm. R-E-C-O-N-T-O-U-R-E. Raconteur. Okay, no, but... <laughs> <laughs> What's your definition? It's it's where you go on a tour of a bunch of racks. <laughs> wow! That's a whole new word. <laughs> That's great. Actually, raconteur is spelled uh-huh. R-A-C-O-N-T-E-U-R. Raconteur. Oh, it is a so noun. Uh-huh. I know. And it means one who excels in telling stories and anecdotes. So cool. you, my dear, are a raconteur. And so are you. As anybody who's heard the slide story <laughs> will attest. <laughs> Love that water slide I'm story. still getting comments on the slide story. Oh, I know. Oh, my I God. Know. It's so, so funny. funny. So funny. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I like that one. Raconteur. I like, I like that one. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. All right. My word for you. Defenostre. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. They have to be English words. Yes. It's an English word. word. Say it Def- again. Defenostre. Defenostre? Defenostrate. No, it's uh, defenostrate. Sorry. Defenostrate. Uh-huh. Oh, good God. D-E-F-O-N. Defen O S T R A T E. No, go ahead. No. <laughs> Why am I not even surprised? 
sounds like a um, ditch you dig at the side of the road to, I don't, to drain the water. I don't know. It sounds like some kind of construction thing. I don't know why I'm thinking that. It's well, you know what? Infinitely cooler. What? You are, you are close. No way. The spelling is D E F E N E S T R A T E. Oh, so you had the close. O in there instead of the E, so you were right. very, very close. Mm-hmm. It means to throw out of the out of a window. <laughs> <laughs> to throw out of a window. Honest to God, that's what it means. Isn't that awesome? It's a verb, to throw out of the window. So instead of having to say the whole five words as to throw out of window, you could say defenestrate. (laughs) You know, I'm just astounded that there's a word for that. So am I. I love it, though. It's an awesome word. I do like it. That's very, Uh very cool. All right, then. All right. Well, that takes care of this week's random etc. It's time for a refill. We'll be right back. Administrate <laughs> this whole segment right out. <laughs> well, the show's almost over, and I'm sure you're really sad about that. But now you don't have to wait another week to hear from Sam and Lonnie because we've got websites open 24 7 and ready when you are. Morning, noon, or night. For Lonnie, be sure to stop by the newly redesigned LonnieDianeRich.com, where Lonnie's latest books and news will be regularly updated. <laughs> right, Lonnie? Also, don't forget to drop by DogsAndGoddesses.com, where Lonnie is collaborating live on the web with New York Times bestsellers Jennifer Cruzy and Ann Stewart. It's like a reality show with writers, which is really much more interesting than it sounds. So check it out. For more information on Sam, click your way on over to SamanthaGraves.com for her latest news and giveaways. I think she's better about updating. Yeah, that's right. There are also links to her blog, her MySpace page, and the website for her alter ego, C.J. Barry author of award-winning futuristic romances. And don't forget to stop by at willwriteforwine.com for links to our joint MySpace page, our cafe press store, and all the cool things we talk about during the show. By the time you're done with all that, we'll be back in a new podcast next week. Everybody plays and everybody wins. Well, it's time for last call here at Will Write for Wine. Thanks for hanging out with us. Keep sending in those wine suggestions to us at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or in the comments on the website. Send good wine suggestions to Sam. Me. Send cheap wine suggestions to me. Lonnie. <laughs> also, don't forget our cool cafe press store where you can get all sorts of fun Will Write for Wine merchandise. Check out our new items like the Wine Notes book and mm-hmm. the refrigerator magnet and the mouse pad. You mm-hmm. could be an official with right. with mm-hmm. any of these items, yes. <laughs> the link can be found in the right-hand column at the website at willwriteforwine.com. Right. And don't forget to vote for us at Podcast Alley. <laughs> I'm not a bad campaigner. I, we we were looking think? at that today. We have like a total of like 120 votes since we started in March. I know. 43 of them were from this month. <laughs> Do you think we're so campaigning guys, too hard? Yeah. I don't think we're campaigning hard enough. All right. Anyway, vote for us at Podcast Alley, especially um, on November 1st. Go yes. in and do that. Because if you get us on to um, number one... <laughs> Go ahead. Tell them what you're going to do if we get to number one for like a whole day, Sam. Well, you know, somehow I get talked into this, that I'll drink a stout. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't even like stout. But yeah, if you guys can get me through it, if we can be like 24 hours number one, mm-hmm. dude, I'll drink a stout. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> That'll happen anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> or you can write us a nice review at iTunes. We or really top like 10. Those too. Yeah. Oh, Not even number top 10, one. 24 hours? You don't, okay. Top, top 10, 10, 24 hours I'll take. That's that's an actual series. Right, how's that? Offer. How's that? Okay. okay. I've been drinking booze in a box for a month. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> anyway, you can go write us a nice review on iTunes. <laughs> Talk about how it's so nice and heartwarming to listen to good friends tell each other to shut up and quit whining. <laughs> so, what's going on for next week's show, Sam? Oh, next week's show is going to be fun. Mm hmm. It's on industry. 50 ways to hose your writing career. Right. <laughs> and just for you, Whiffers, we have tested them all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't think we don't love you. Right. Yeah. Wait till you hear our tw- our, our, each of our 25 ways. Each of our 25 ways to hose your writing career. I think we touched on a handful of them tonight. Maybe, oh, maybe. Gosh. All right. So until next time, this is Sam. And this is Lonnie saying if you can't write for money... Then right for wine. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Will Ride for Wine is brought to you each week by Lonnie Diane Rich and Samantha Graves. Be sure to hit the website at willwriteforwine.com where you can find great links to everything in the show, news about what the girls are up to, and links to great cafe press merchandise like t-shirts, hats, and mugs. I like the apron myself. Also, don't forget to friend them on MySpace at myspace.com slash willwriteforwine. Music provided by the good folks at the Podsafe Music Network, music.com podshow.com and if you enjoyed the podcast please tell your friends and go vote for Lonnie and Sam at Podcast Alley or write a glowing review at iTunes remember there's good karma out there vote for them at Podcast Alley come back next time as Johnny Depp's soulmate or perhaps Colin Firth mmm ring any bells or you know the, the soulmate whoever does it for you you get the point anyway thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time right here on Will Write for Wine down on my caffeine consumption so when i get up i just have one cup of coffee and i like to have another cup of coffee with my breakfast and on the way to work i like to get a cup of coffee like-